Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Uh, it's just one verse of Scripture that's our text this morning. Obviously, we'll share others. Uh, but when we read that, I'm going to read it from the NIV. Uh, if you uh, have a different translation, you can follow along in whatever translation. Uh, you know what? Could we just stand one more time if you're able to? If you're able to stand, I just want to pray and uh, make sure that our hearts are ready to receive uh, from, what God, for, uh, from what God has for us this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, what we've already been able to experience. We've experienced your presence. Uh, we've experienced God's people being able to fellowship with one another and, and to lift up your name in praise and in honor. Uh, we thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. We're thankful, God, that you're not done yet. Uh, we're thankful that, that we have your word this morning to teach us, to instruct us, to challenge us, to help Help us, And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that our hearts uh, would be open to receive your word and that, Lord, you would just have your way. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. So good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Again, a couple of weeks ago, we started a new series called Bible or Not. And the goal we said from this series is to look at certain phrases that we may use every single day or that people use every day that sound biblical and maybe those phrases, those sentences, they hold some truth and yet all on their own, they don't really tell the whole story. Amen? And so the first week we looked at the phrase, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And we said that the problem with that phrase is, the, is what is implied more than, than what's actually said. See, the implication being that when someone says this, they often believe that whatever is happening is somehow the will of God or a part of God's plan. And that's not always true. In fact, the real truth is that everything's ha everything happens for a reason, but, say but, some of that reason involves your choice. Some of that reason involves your free will. You can make choices every single day of your life, and you do, and the choices that you make, they impact your life, and they impact the lives of others around you. It happens. It's happening. Again, uh, of course, some things do happen as a part of God's plan or God's will, but not everything. Like we have used this uh, before, this telling, this, this uh, idea that, that God, how many of you know that God does not give us cancer or destroy our family unit in order to teach us a lesson or to force us to depend on him? How, how many of you know God does not do that? I hope you do. See, he, we know that he can use those things that happen to us for his glory, but evil never, never comes from the Lord. He is not the source of evil. Any evil that you face in your life, he is not the source. And then last week, we looked at the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. How many of you have heard that or maybe used that before? Listen, as much as people have quoted the phrase over and over uh, the years, uh, thinking that it's holy scripture, we, we traced its roots, that phrase, its roots back to Greek culture and to a particular uh, founding father. Anybody remember who we mentioned? What, which founding father? Let's see if anybody was paying attention. Ben Franklin, thank you so much. And so we know that Ben Franklin used that phrase often. God helps those who help themselves. Uh, but the phrase is not actually found in the Bible. 
And so last week, we, we broke it down to, uh, to a partial truth and then two things that were uh, specifically not true about God helps those who help themselves first. I think we made a good case for the fact that as human, human beings, you and I can't expect God to do every single thing for us. How many of you know, know that? We can't expect God to do every single thing. In fact, we know that uh, God gave us a brain and, and God gave us a body in order that we might be able to help ourselves by using our God-given abilities and our God-given talents. If you recall, we even used the illustration of a, of a wonderful, succulent, delicious a dinner that does not, get, get this, it does not magically appear at the dinner table when you get home from a long, hard day of work. Surprise! We said that it would be nice if it just appeared, but the reality is that you and I have to usually buy groceries, and, and, and maybe you can cook, maybe you can't, but you have to cook if you want to eat, or you can decide to spend some moolah, some cash, shell out, uh, shell out some cash at a local restaurant to have someone else cook for you. We also said that if you're unemployed and, and you, you've got to go out and you've got to uh, do the actual legwork to get an amazing job or, or an awesome career for your life. And we said we know that there are, uh, uh, you know, exceptions to this. Every once in a while things happen uh, and, and, you know, something lands in your lap, but usually it's something okay. It's not usually something above board and awesome and amazing. Uh, uh, your dream of a career doesn't usually just happen. You've got to do something. You've got to do some legwork. We even said during the, the civil rights, uh, uh, those people were in churches on Sunday. Uh, but how many of you know that, that not everything happened by everything being in church on a Sunday? They knew that they had to act. They knew that they had to leave the four walls of the church. They knew that they had to march. They knew that they had to make a statement, and they did so. And as a result of what they did, change happened. Bottom line, there are just some things, say some, there are some things that we have to practically take responsibility for if we expect something to happen. Again, so in a very basic way, we can say that, yeah, in that way, God does help those who help themselves because there's some things that we have to do. On the other hand, there are some times when people get into such a deep and sometimes dark and sometimes overwhelming pit. Anybody ever been there? I mean, you get into such a place that you can't even, you don't even know which way is up. You yourself, you have tried and you've tried and, and you can't figure out a, a way out of that situation all by yourself. And we can, we can see this with, with addiction and we can see this with mental illness. And sometimes we can even see it with the cycle of poverty among many things that we see it in. And so in challenging circumstances like these, some of us can't really help ourselves. And we, we may, might say that we definitely need some intervention or, or we need for someone else to throw us a lifeline or, or a lifesaver. Listen, I have been there in that place where, where I, I couldn't get out and I couldn't maneuver through. But God in his grace, he sent someone my way at the right time and in the right season and in the right moment. And they didn't know it at the time. But what they said or what they did that spoke into my life helped me out of a dark season 
and a hard time which I couldn't get out of by myself, but they helped me. Anybody ever been blessed like that? You've been helped by someone. I mean, like, listen, we need each other. Life was never meant to be lived on our own apart from each other, especially apart from God. And that's why at Cross Point we like to say that together we are better. Listen, we can still see this in other cultures where the extended family is loved and, and cared for into their senior years. And it, it's, it's actually considered an honor when we, when we help those who can't help themselves, right? And yet here in the United States, we, we've seen the demise of the family. And so I have actually heard people say, I, I can't count on my family. Or, or once the kids grow up and they, they sometimes distance themselves from family for one reason or another. And yet in the body of Christ and here in the local church and in every local church, we teach that we do need each other. In fact, we are one body with many working parts, and, and sometimes the way we, that God meets people's needs is literally through other people. You'll hear me say this many times, that there are instances in your life when you are praying, and you are praying, and you are trusting God, and God will use somebody else to answer your prayer. Another person, a friend a loved one, someone who cares. And so listen, your kindness and generosity can potentially be an answer to somebody else's prayer. And in that sense, the phrase, God helps those who help themselves is not true. It's not true. We can't help ourselves. We can't make it on our own. And finally, another way this phrase is not true is that God still saves. How many of you are glad that God still saves? Uh, God still delivers. Uh, he is the one who we can turn to uh, when you and I have made a mess of our lives, when maybe you have reached what you might say is the end of yourself, when, when you just don't know what to do, when even other people uh, can't help you out of the funk that you are in, and, and they have tried, and they have loved, and they have given, and, and they have done all that they can do and you just can't shake yourself out of that funk and you can't uh, cause yourself to, to, to get out of that rut in that place that you are in, that in those moments, aren't you glad that God is still on your side? The Bible even said, says that God is rich in his mercy toward us. And by his grace, we know that he provided salvation as a free gift uh, for you and I to help us. And, and so that when you and I are broken or, or when you and I are messed up, uh, we know that Jesus is the one who offers hope and, and he offers help and, and he offers a new and abundant life. And it's all in Jesus. And he is the one that helps us when we can't help ourselves. He's so good. He's so good. Last, uh, the, the next one that we want to look at, the, another phrase that we want to look at this morning, and listen, if I'm honest, this one kind of bothers me deeply. I'll explain. Anybody ever hear it said that God won't give you more than you can? God won't give you more that you can handle. What do some of you think about that? 
Now listen, I, I know that several well-meaning people may have said that to you on one occasion or another, but I also know that I've personally experienced some extremely hard times in my life when I have wondered if I was literally going to make it through the day. I was at the end of myself. I, things were happening that were out of control, and, and it was like a Monday on repeat. A bad Monday on repeat, things are happening. And in that moment, like some of the other phrases, the last thing you want to hear is, God won't give you more than you can handle. I know for a fact that others have experienced such trauma through loss or brokenness or betrayal, and, and they can tell stories about how they reached rock bottom and how they felt like they almost lost it all. And so I've come to the conclusion that the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, is both untrue and unhelpful. Let me explain. Again, this phrase is not found in the Bible. It is not found in the Bible anywhere, and Scripture actually teaches that there are better ways for us to minister to those that are suffering and can't seem to find relief. And so uh, first, I, I want us to look at our text in 1 Corinthians 10.13. Go there in your Bibles, look up on the screens, uh, because some Christians claim that this verse teaches that God won't give you more than you can handle, and so maybe that's why some people use the phrase. And, uh, but I want us to look a little deeper this morning. The Bible says in that verse, verse 13, no temptation, say temptation. Listen, that word is key. Say it one more time. No temptation has overtaken you except, say except, what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be there's that word again, a shortened, a shortened uh, a phrase of it, uh, tempted. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are what? Tempted. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I want to uh, go a little deeper into this this morning. I need to explain this because, again, I really believe that that phrase, uh, uh, again, that God won't give you more than you can handle is maybe based on a misunderstanding uh, of this text. And listen, I love to teach God's Word. And, and one of the main things that I stress when I uh, teach the Bible is how important it is for us, for you, for all of us to look at any verse in the Bible in light of its context. Say context. Teach you a little bit something this morning. You may already know, but review is good. And so, in other words, like I've said before, it's very important never not to isolate a verse and build a doctrine or for us to come to a conclusion based on just one verse of Scripture without seeing what is said before and after it. And when you look at what comes before and after it, you will get the whole story or the context. Listen, the, the Bible does not contradict itself. How many of you know that? 
The Bible does not contradict itself. You should always compare Scripture with Scripture. We say that's proper hermeneutics, or some will say that we look at the whole counsel of God's Word, and that is true, and that is right, and that is definitely what we want to do. Listen, I'm sure that some of you have heard me use this illustration about uh, the young Christian who decided to read his Bible uh, for God's direction one day and, and thought that it would be cool to flip and pick to see what God would say in his word and like I've said before that is very dangerous and so the young man he flipped through his Bible and randomly we know that he stopped at Matthew 27 and verse 5 where it says that Judas hanged himself You've heard me say this one before. It's important. It's, it's perfect for what I'm saying this morning. And then he fanned his Bible again and he landed at Luke 10, 37, where it says, Go and do thou likewise. Judas hanged himself. Go thou and do likewise. And finally, he flipped again and he stopped at John 13, 27, where it says that thou doest, do it quickly. Listen, I know it's a silly illustration. I've used it a thousand times, but horrible if it were true. Context is very important. If we're not careful, we can actually read the Bible that same way and actually come to some very wrong conclusions. And so if the verse that people are using to say that God won't give you more than you can handle is 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we must take a closer look. And first thing I want you to do this morning is I want you uh, to look at the word temptation. One more time, say temptation. temptation. That word temptation, is, we know that it's used in various ways in this text. Uh, and the word in the Greek, uh, that word in the Greek can be translated as temptation to sin or testing as in trials and suffering, two different meanings for the same word. I know we don't have much of that in the English language, but the reality is here in the original language, it, is, it is, has two very different meanings. And obviously, listen, when people are using this verse to support the belief that God won't give you more than you can handle, they believe that temptation is referring to trials and suffering. They believe that. Now, listen, we, we know that the Apostle Paul is the writer of First and Second Corinthians, and there's a, a rule of interpretation, actually, if you've never heard it before, it's important uh, to know this, that says we don't usually communicate using words with two different meanings simultaneously. We don't usually communicate using two words, having two different, uh, using words with two different meanings simultaneously. I think that would be confusing. Like if I said sad and really I meant happy because the word sad means happy or sad, you wouldn't know what I was saying in that moment. I mean, English is confusing enough. But if I have to guess what words mean every time you use them, that would be annoying and crazy. So how do we find out the context of our verse this morning? How do we clarify what Paul is meaning by using the word temptation in our text? Well, again, we do it by reading the verses before and the, ver and the, the verses after. And so that's how we're going to tell what Paul was meaning. And so let's do it. It's an exercise this morning. Let's do it together. And so I want you to look at 1 Corinthians, chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. We know that 13 is, is our text. 
But 1 Corinthians 10, that chapter in 2023, uh, in many of our Bibles this morning, we have Bibles with chapter subheadings. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That kind of breaks it up and it makes it so that you and I kind of understand what we're reading. That in this next section, this is what this section is going to be about. And this next section, this is what this. And so we have the modern convenience of that. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in the NIV, the subheading is warnings from Israel's history. In the New Living Translation, it says lessons from Israel's idolatry. In the English Standard Version, it says, warning against idolatry. Those subheadings, again, they actually give us a, a bit of a hint about what Paul was actually saying in the text. Like in verse 6, uh, he mentions uh, that the first five verses are examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil. He gives us examples. If you read uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5, those are examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil. And then we know in verse 7 that Paul addresses idolatry. How many of you know if you were to say, if I were to ask you this question, what is idolatry this morning? And I don't need a big, long explanation. There is a word that you can replace it with. What would idolatry be in God's eyes? How about that? Sin. And so in verse 7, Paul addresses idolatry, which we know is a reference to sin. And in verse 8, Paul identifies this idolatry specifically as sexual immorality. How many of you know, I hope you know, that sexual immorality is a sin, right? And the, the next verses actually continue to address sin as we read about not testing Christ by actually sinning in verse 9. And then uh, grumbling, which is also a sin, in verse 10. And then we, we can skip down to verse 12. Verse 12 gives us the exhortation, if you think you are standing firm, be careful, say careful, that you do not fall. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall uh, over and over again. The focus has been on sin, uh, whether in the form of idolatry. We know that's the lead up to our text. Again, we already know that in our text, uh, uh, Paul uses the word temptation once and tempted twice. In the NIV, I don't know what your translation has it as. Sometimes different translations may have it the other way. Temptation twice, tempted once. But either way, temptation is the focus and then we have to go to the verse after at least one verse after in verse 14 after our text it says to flee from what idolatry again idolatry is what in God's eyes sin therefore the reading of this text in context should lead us to conclude that Paul chose to use the word temptation to address the temptation uh, to sin, not trials or suffering. Some of you, uh, I can see by the look on your eyes, maybe I've lost you a little bit, but follow along. Again, we're talking about the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle. And if again, if individuals are using 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 for, uh, to, to base that phrase on, it's controversial. It's, it may not be right. And so we've just given you the context, knowing that uh, temptation to sin is what is being addressed, and that is a big deal. In context, God is really telling us, he's telling you and I this morning, that no one will be tempted to sin beyond what they can bear 
and that's good news. Let me, let me break it down a little further. Listen, you and I right now, you and I can praise God for his grace, amen? And basically, we are saying that God helps us not to sin if we let him help us. Let me say that again, because some of us, we miss that. We, we get, go, get going in life, and, and we do this, and we do that, and, and there's all kinds of silly uh, memes and sayings out there. Well, the devil made me do it, or, or if you hadn't pushed me that hard, I, I wouldn't have sinned, or, or if they hadn't done that to me, I, I wouldn't have cussed them out, or, or I wouldn't have acted in such a way, and, and if they hadn't, and wait a minute. If God is the one that helps us not to sin, then maybe in those instances where we sin, we are not letting him help. And so you and I, we can truthfully say that we, we can't truthfully say that the devil made me do it. We can't truthfully say that, that we, it just was too strong. It was just too big. The reality is that God has already made a way for you and I that if in that moment of temptation, sin, when it comes your way, you and I have God's help and it's our job to, to choose it. It's our job to let God help us. The truth being that we sin because we desire to sin. And we sin because we don't flee temptation to sin. That's God's way. I don't know about you, but I, when I think about fleeing uh, temptation, I, I think about, you know, individuals in the Bible uh, who, who had to run, who had to go in the opposite direction, sometimes physically, uh, because if they hadn't run, if they hadn't uh, dashed in the other direction, they may have fallen in their weakness. They may have chosen the wrong thing. They, they may have, uh, you know, uh, just totally, totally fallen away from the Lord if they hadn't run. I remember as a young man, uh, there were times that things came my way, times when things were put before me, and I didn't know better, but thank God the Holy Spirit was already beginning to work in my life, and in that moment, I was recognizing that this is dark, and this is disgusting, and this is sin, and if I don't want to partake, I have to get out of there. So we have to flee. Again, if the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, only applies to sin and the temptation to sin, then and only then is it true that God won't give you more than you can handle. The sin that's come your way in the form of temptation is not more that you, than you can handle because God has made a way of escape for you. Listen, if you're applying the phrase, to trials and suffering in your life in general, then I would have to say that it's absolutely false. See, the hard truth is, and some of you, you, you can probably get up and preach the rest of this message right now. When it comes to, to trials, uh, when it comes to suffering, the hard truth is that sometimes God does give people uh, more than they can handle. And we can literally see this in the life of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses 8 through 10. I, I want you to get this this morning. If God only gave us what we could handle, then why in the world would we ever need God? 
if God only gave us what we could handle, then why in the world would we ever need God? See, life has been a mixed bag of blessings and brokenness to many of us. I'm glad that Jesus still saves. I'm blessed that he still heals. I'm excited that he still delivers us when we can't handle what life is dishing out to us. And even Paul needed God's grace and help through many times of, of hardness and trouble. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians verse one, uh, chapter 1 and verse 8 that he and his companions were under great pressure far beyond their ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Continues by saying in verses 9 and 10, again, this is the great apostle Paul, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Don't miss that this morning. Don't miss that. If he can raise the dead, he can see you through your difficulty. If he can raise the dead, that, that you know, collision of your life and the stuff that is out of your control and, and the suffering that comes your way that, that you yourself, you would admit, Pastor Freddie, this is too hard for me. This is too much for me. I can't bear it. I can't bear under the weight. I, I want you to know this morning that Paul himself felt the same way. Listen to the words far beyond our ability to endure, we despaired for life itself. Verse 10, he goes on to say, He has delivered us. God has delivered us. Jesus has delivered us from such a, a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. Listen, in those moments when you feel like God has given you more than you can handle, I want to give you a word of hope this morning that when life is out of control, that when you can't think you, take a, you can't take another step, God is on your side and God is working on your behalf and God will see you through. Paul was under great pressure far beyond his ability to endure. In other words, Paul, the great apostle, felt like he had more than he could handle, and yet God, through Paul, is also saying that even though people can experience a more suffering and pain than they can handle, God is still the one who can deliver us. Anybody say amen to that? If our text, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, is not helpful in encouraging people who suffer hardship, and if God won't God won't give you more than you can handle. How can we properly minister to someone possibly going through the worst trial of their life? I like this. How about instead of saying God won't give you more than you can handle, instead encourage people by saying God will give you all the grace that you need in every situation that you face. Let me say that again. God will give you all the grace, say all the grace, that you need in every situation 
that you face. See, Paul, after dealing with what he called to be a, a thorn in his flesh and, and pleading with the Lord three times, listen, some of you have asked God to take your situation away 3,000 times, 300 times. God, why, why won't this go? God, why won't this stop? I want you to be reminded this morning that our brother in Christ, the great apostle Paul, was in the same place you were, maybe different in circumstance, but in that place regardless where he was saying God take this thorn away from me and the Lord responds in 2nd Corinthians 12 and verse 9 that my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness my grace is sufficient for you for my power is is made perfect in weakness. How many of you have ever been weak? Broken. Messed up. My grace is sufficient. Listen, even the Apostle Paul, who, who was faced with many challenges and struggles, was able to encourage himself with that truth. Again, God will give you all the grace that you need in every situation you face. So why do I believe that statement is more helpful to someone who is suffering? Number one, because Paul, the great Apostle, says grace is the answer. Say grace. Listen, grace is the answer for your situation. Grace is the answer for your struggle. No matter how much suffering people face and how deeply they hurt because of suffering, they can know the truth that God's grace will be sufficient for them in all of their needs. So if you've personally experienced the grace of God, how many of you have personally experienced the grace of God in any given situation? You know exactly what I mean this morning. You deserve this, but instead God gave you that. This happened to me, Pastor Freddie, and normally this happens next. But it skipped over me this time. Grace is a beautiful thing. See, you and I, when people do something wrong to us, when, when they express their brokenness to us, we want to get even right away. We want to take care of the problem right away. We want to let them know where they stand right away. Man, I'm so glad that God in his grace handles things the best way. The best way. Listen, it's very helpful during suffering too. God will give you all the grace you need in every situation you face. It is also better. We know that because the focus, number two, because the focus is on God, not us. When life is out of control, when things are messed up and looking broken, God is the focus. He's saying that God won't give you more than you can handle is a very self-centered statement that focuses on our abilities, and those abilities, whether you realize it or not, those abilities are limited and weak at best. Instead, when we focus on the Lord, when we focus on God and on His unlimited resources, it will bring you great comfort and hope, especially when you feel weak or down under pressure. Listen, you know, some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You've been in that place where God has rescued you by his grace. And in that moment, you couldn't help but to focus on the Lord. The Lord did this. The Lord helped me. I felt crushed. 
I felt like I couldn't go another step or another move, and God was there. God in His grace helped me. I'm here today by the grace of God. God will give you all the grace you need in every single situation that you face. And Paul shows us that it's helpful because grace is the answer and the focus is on God, not on us. And finally, number three, because God gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. Listen, Paul tells us that, uh, that, that it was when he didn't have the strength or ability to face his own suffering that he found out that God's power and faithfulness through grace was sufficient to provide all the help that he needed. How many of you have ever read that and been like, you, you get stuck on, man, what was, the, what was the thorn? What was Paul's thorn? God, show me what Paul's thorn was. Let's debate on what the thorn was. Man, even there we get off kilter. Even there we get off focus. Who cares what the thorn was? God's grace was sufficient for Paul. God's grace is sufficient for you. It was also his inability to endure the, the suffering he faced that led Paul to a greater knowledge and experience of God's provision, of God's comfort, of God's deliverance. Again, all things work together for good, for your good. The bottom line for us is not that God won't give us more than we can handle. The bottom line is that God will give you all the grace that you need in every single situation that you face. And that's a promise from a God who never lies. He's faithful. He's true. And so listen, when we feel weak, and unable to persevere through suffering, we shouldn't look to ourselves for help. Instead, we should look to our Savior, Jesus. Jesus is the answer. How many of you know that this morning? Jesus is the answer for your pain. Jesus is the answer for your trial. Jesus is the answer for whatever season you're going through and for people who feel they're enduring more suffering than they can bear. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. If you're in Christ, listen, His grace is still the answer. You are not too weak. You are not too weak. You are not too soft. You are not lacking faith. It was a time in my life when, when I struggled with things and, and bad theology was coming my way. Well, kind of like Job's comforters, well, you must be sinning. You must be doing something wrong. And I, and I allowed that to affect my life. Or, or you must not have enough faith. Listen, the God of grace is on your side. The God of grace is right there in the middle of your struggle. The God of grace is right there in the middle of your pain. The God of grace is there to be called on. His name is Jesus. And he's still the answer. Stand to your feet. The reality is, we're all human. Life is hard sometimes. Life is hard. But God's grace can and will see you through it all. 
You just got to keep trusting him every step of the way. Listen, the worship team is going to lead us in one last song of worship, but I want to offer some time of prayer. It's important when we struggle. It's important when we are being tested in our faith. It's important when we deal with things uh, that are more than we can bear to make sure that we're praying and believing and trusting God. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. If you're struggling in any way, if you need God's help this morning, just uh, let's line the altars this morning. Jesus is the answer. And I, listen, this morning I wasn't going to do this, but I believe that God wants to touch you. It's more than just a prayer. It's more than just going through the motions. Worship team is going to lead. I'm not going to beg you to come. I'm not going to coach you to come. But if you need Jesus to help you in your faith walk, and you are being challenged. Because Pastor Freddie, life seems more than I can bear. This situation is more than I can bear. God wants to help you. Jesus wants to show you the way. To show you his grace.